HawkeyesMike.com presents the Iowa Football Show. Hello, Hawkeye fans, and welcome to the first podcast from HawkeyesMike.com. This is John Patchett, and I'll be your host each week as we follow the Hawks, whether football, basketball, or wrestling on the men's side, or several of the women's programs. Hawkeyes Mike was created for you, fans of the Hawkeyes, to get insight from guest experts and commentators, and most importantly, to be able to share your own opinions and comments, compliments and criticisms, optimism and concerns about your favorite Iowa teams. We will offer football programs weekly during the entire season. You will have the chance to hear Marv Cook's thoughts and Pat Hardy's opinions on each game, and other guest experts will join us from time to time. There will also be regular features on officiating in the rules, particularly when there appear to be controversial, confusing, or unusual calls. And as the weeks pass, we also hope more and more Iowa fans will call in to participate to make their voices heard. Following every football game this fall, some questions will be posted on the website, www.hawkeyesmike.com, that you can respond to, or you can offer whatever comments and opinions you like. The toll-free hotline will be open 24 hours a day, from the time the game is over until the following Tuesday evening. Just call 866-74-HAWKS. We plan on having the new podcasts available for listening or downloading by midday on Wednesdays. Again, just call 866-74-HAWKS to make your voice heard. As always, we want to hear from you. The site is dedicated to Iowa fans, for Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. Please provide us your regular feedback, what topics and sports you want to talk and hear about, additional guests and experts you would like to hear from, and especially what we can do to make Hawkeye's mic better with each program. You can leave your comments on the hotline, 866-74-HAWKS, or email us at feedback at hawkeyesmike.com. Today's Hawkeye's Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge.com at ui.com and by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. This week we celebrate a season opening win over Mac Foe Northern Illinois played in Soldier Field on a beautiful day in Chicago. This first show includes our regular weekly features with former Hawkeye All-American and All-Pro tight end Marv Cook and with award-winning Iowa City Press and Sports columnist and reporter Pat Hardy. Rob Patchett checks in on the officiating of the NIU game and we actually have a few callers for this first week. I might even have a thought or two myself. Coming up, you'll hear from Marv Cook. Hey, it's Brett from Madison, Wisconsin. Just wanted to call and make a comment on the game. I didn't go to the game, but I did tape it and watch it afterwards. I think uh, certainly we're going to be a little bit better than last year, which was a little disappointing. We were pretty good against the rush uh, this past week in northern Illinois. 
I still would like to see us uh, do a better job of pressuring the, the passer, which we did a pretty good job on, but not letting so many passes go in front of us. I know it's a bend but not break philosophy, and that's worked well with two uh, Big Ten titles in the last few years, but I'd still like to see us uh, get more up on the receivers with the corners uh, being in their face a little bit more offensively. I thought we did pretty well, obviously, like everybody else, the pass completions, uh, the catching the ball, we need to improve on immensely. Overall, the line, even though young, did a really nice job, and I expect uh, pretty good things from them. And by the mid to late season, I think we're going to be a really good rushing team and hopefully a pretty good passing team as well. So uh, go Hawks and beat Syracuse. HawkeyesMike.com, something new. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. We want to welcome, for the first time, Marv Cook to HawkeyesMike.com. Marv has graciously agreed to take time out from his busy schedule, both as a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley in Coralville, and now also as the new head football coach at Iowa City Regina High School. Marv will join us weekly to provide his insights and thoughts on the Iowa football team. Overall, Marv, what were your thoughts on the opening win over Northern Illinois and how things set up for this week's home opener? Well, I mean, I think, I think the atmosphere for the team was great. I mean, be able to go to Soldier Field and play with the history of, uh, of that stadium and, and some of the great games. Hopefully the, the, the players were able to experience that, uh, see the excitement of playing in an NFL stadium. They've done that a lot in different bowl games, but uh, hopefully that was a great experience for them one that will ultimately help them this coming Saturday night with the night game. I think also the experience of last year playing Ohio State in the evening will help them as well, uh, realizing it's a long day. you got to get up, uh, kind of get on with your day, and then be ready to play under the lights at night. So I think last year's game at Ohio State and this game Saturday will help them be better prepared for uh, Syracuse on Saturday night. One takeaway from from uh, Saturday's game against uh, Northern Illinois was the fact that the running game looked really good. I think Albert Young and Damian Sims have kind of picked off where they left off last year. Damian Sims is that spark plug that can come in and make some big plays, uh, a nice change of pace for Iowa, uh, and then come with a power game with Albert Young, and and then uh, come with the scatty game with Damian Sims. So that's that's exciting to see. And then just uh, the maturation of Jake Christensen, you know, finding uh, new receivers to throw the ball to. Um, you know, he's got to find other weapons with the, uh, the, the absence of the two players, but uh, wholeheartedly I think we saw some Flashes from the tight end position. We saw some flashes from the outside position. Got to catch the balls uh, when they're thrown to you, but uh, those are things that they'll coach up and and work on and uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, it's going to be a, just a, you know a situation where the team's just got to continue to prove each day. That's kind of Kirk's, you know, Coach Ferentz's uh, motto is just get better every single day. And if you do that over the course of you know 10, 11, 12 weeks, you end up having a pretty good football team. And so. Hopefully they can make the strides from week one to week two that they have in the past, and if they do that, they'll be fine for Saturday. Anything not meet your expectations for the opening game? Northern Illinois, I think they lost their star running back last year. I, I kind of was hoping to see a more dominant team. I thought defensively we were pretty dominant at times, but but offensively I thought I wanted to see a little bit more spark. I wanted to see a little bit more dominance. Uh, I would have liked to see more points scored, obviously. I'm sure the coaching staff would have liked that as well. but. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a win. It's a good opening win. And, you know, those, those schools, Northern Illinois and, and uh, that conference, there's a lot of good football. I mean, just ask Michigan right now. 
Uh, so it was a good test for the Hawks opener, and and it's just a matter of uh, they got to find ways to to put points up on the board quicker uh, and faster, and uh, hopefully they can fi start finding some more big play people on the offensive side of the ball. Talking about the receivers, why so many drops? Well, I think it's comfort. Um, a lot of times receivers get comfortable with the quarterback, the way the ball comes out of the pocket, uh, the spin of the ball, it's a left-hander versus right-hander, which really isn't that big a deal, but just the, the location coming out of the uh, the pocket area sometimes is, is, is uh, just the more you see it, the better off and the more relaxed you are when you do get the opportunity to catch it. So I think it's just the ability to see it over and over and over again, and the more times you see something, the better off you get at it. I think that's probably what's going on right now with some of these receivers is that they're just not picking up the ball as quickly as they normally do, and uh, and uh, that's why you're seeing some of those drops. But the other thing is just you know concentration. I mean that's you know you just got to find a way to practice it and make sure you're doing it right in practice. You have to find a way to. You, I mean your receiver, your job is to catch the ball. I mean that's that's the one thing that if you don't do anything else, you need to do that extremely well. So uh, those are areas that the coaches will be harping on all week, I'm sure, and finding some creative drills to incent them not to drop balls, if you know what I mean, and. Uh, uh, you know, the one thing I tell every receiver that I've ever come in contact, it should hurt you more to drop a ball than to catch it and get lit up by a defender. I mean, that's the mentality you have to have as a receiver. You just catch the ball, that's your job. So, And uh, I think they'll, they'll continue to improve on that. You know, as time goes, hopefully we'll see a lot of improvement in that area. With the suspensions of Douglas and Bowman, I thought Cleveland had a pretty good game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's you know, Kirk's motto is next man in. I mean, we had the running back situation three or four years ago, and and obviously this year it looks like it's going to have to be wide receivers. And uh, uh, the good thing is, is that good teams have depth at the running back position, which I think Iowa does. They also have depth at the wide receiver position. It looks like they do there too. Getting back to the quarterback for a minute, talk some more about Jake's performance. Solid. I mean, he did the right things. You try to find the, the secure throws, don't make mistakes. You know, the one thing I think he's going to have to really work on is just working his eyes, you know, really trying to, to look off receivers. I think sometimes he gets locked into where he's going. You can make good throws if you throw it in the right spot, but good defenses are going to start reading that and they'll start jumping underneath those outcuts and, and uh, those throws. So he's going to have to do a better job of really kind of looking off safeties and linebackers with his eyes and then coming back down and finding his receivers. That's the only thing I really... Uh, saw that I think he really needs to work on. But other than that, I think he does a nice job of controlling the team, controlling the pace of the game, and controlling the tempo. It looked to me like the offensive line performed decently on pass protection and improved as the day went on in terms of run blocking. Our offensive line? I mean, I, I think that was, a, that was a good sign. I think they really did a nice job for the most part of, uh, you know, Iowa wants to run that zone. They want to get going downhill, and I thought for the most part they did a really nice job of that. Albert Young and Sims do a great job of really finding that one area and then hitting one move and then getting it downhill. And I thought that was an area that we really controlled the game. Uh, and you know, that's an area that Coach Ferentz will be shuffling a lot of different guys in and out in that offensive line, and he'll find the right chemistry and the right right you know connection between the, the five six players. He's probably gonna have about seven or eight core players. He's gonna be rotating in there and. And I thought for the most part they really did a nice job controlling the offensive line of scrimmage. Well, we can't fail to discuss the tight ends. You know, it's good to see. Uh, I mean, you know, different guys out there making, you know, staking their claim. I mean, obviously Moyaki's head and shoulders above the others at this point, but I thought we saw some other guys come in there and really kind of show some sparks and one uh, caught the tight end. I, Myers did a nice job on the stick route down the goal line and Christensen pounded into him. And I, I really like him. I think he's really athletic, catches the ball well, and uh, he'll be a nice... Uh, compliment to Moyaki. How about Mitch King? He's phenomenal. I mean, just relentless. Uh, and that's that's what you need as a defense. I mean, I've, I've always feared defenses that 
wreak havoc on an offense, penetration, uh, pass rushing ability like that, and that's what he brings. I mean, he's one of those guys that as an offense, you have to game plan for him. You have to account for him, know where he's at every single time on the field. As an offense, that'll limit what you do if you have a guy like Mitch King on the defensive line. The defense as a whole was getting more pressure than it did last year. And that's the key to our defense. If you can get pressure with four, we're going to have a great defense. And that's, that's kind of, I think, what Mitch King brings to the table and, and some of the other uh, rushers. But if we, can get front, if we can get pressure with a front four and allow the other six or seven drop in coverage, then we're going to have a really, really good defense this year. So that's the thing to continue to monitor is can we get pressure just rushing four or do we have to bring safety blitzes or linebacker blitzes? And if we do that, now we're avoiding a zone and giving a, a really good passing team the opportunity to kind of pick us apart from that standpoint. So that's going to be something to watch over the next two to three weeks. Your keys to the Syracuse game? Yeah, I mean, I'd just like to see more big plays on offense. I mean, more explosion type plays. Uh, obviously, clean up the kicking game, tighten that up, our coverage aspects and the field goal aspects and the punting aspects. Just, just tighten everything up a little bit. But the one thing is to look for the maturity level of the experience of last year, Ohio State, obviously a little bit different atmosphere with the number one team coming in. And we were, I think, still 5-0 and or 5-1 and at the time. So that excitement won't quite be as what it was last year at Ohio State. But yet this is still going to be a night game, uh, a lot of excitement during the day, the first home game at Iowa. So the maturity level of this team being able to come in and really uh, handle that experience and then show up when it's time to kick off and be ready to go for three hours. That's what I'm looking forward to and uh, seeing how well they handle that and then wholeheartedly just going out and executing the game plan and, and being the more, more physical team. Thanks, Mark. Hey, this is Nick G from Iowa City. Uh, I was curious on your thoughts about Signor as our kicker. I know it's hard to replace uh, Schlicker. He was, he was a go-to guy. He did very well. But I was really excited to see in the opening game that uh, on a kickoff return, he open field tackled a guy, and he tackled him very well. How is he going to play out in the following years to come? My main concern was uh, Jay Christensen's pocket presence uh, when he was on offense. I, I don't know if it was first-time jitters or they weren't just working on basic fundamentals. Also, with our receivers, I know we're having some problems with that, but... We weren't utilizing Moyaki, I thought, in the fullest sense, but I understand that our offensive line is kind of new and younger, especially the right offensive line. What can we do to overcome that? Uh, do we need to put Bush in as well as Moyaki to let him block and then feed off and go receive a pass? I'm not sure. Uh, I think our offense is better than this, but I don't see us scoring. Where, where are we going to score? It's here. Hawkeye's Mike is for Iowa fans by Iowa fans. It's Hawk Sports Talk Radio on the internet. Your chance as a Hawkeye fan to make your voice heard on men's and women's sports. Weekly on HawkeyesMike.com. We want to welcome in Pat Hardy, sports reporter and columnist for the Iowa City Press Citizen. You can read Pat's articles nearly every day in the PC and on Hawk Central, the Press Citizen's website featuring the Iowa Hawkeyes. Pat often sparks a lot of conversation among Hawk fans, and he's also agreed to join us weekly to offer his commentary. Pat, what were your overall impressions of the NIU game? Well, I was very impressed with the running game. I was somewhat surprised that the offensive line came together as well as they did. I, they started off a little tentative, but they really got physical as the game progressed. I know it was only a team from the MAC and a decent team from the MAC, but I think it was impressive the way Iowa surged and controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides. The, 
Defensive line should control the line of scrimmage given the amount of experience they have, but I was still a little skeptical after what happened last year. I mean, the defensive line kind of caved in at the end of last year, but I think the way they controlled the line of scrimmage was probably the most impressive thing. My biggest concerns would be, of course, the drop passes, and I'm still not concerned about, I'm still a little concerned about their pass defense. Their safeties are still pretty raw. I've heard from several fans already about the drop passes, and especially Brodell's drops. Kind of reminded you a little bit of the first part of last season. Well, I think with Andy, one thing, maybe his inconsistencies are still based on the fact he was a running back in high school. I know it's been three years, but it's still a tough adjustment. I mean, the drops, I think he'd be the first to tell you that he's got to get over those. And I know, like you said, he really did come on at the end of last year. He seemed to be on a roll, so hopefully he'll get on to that. I don't think Andy will ever be a great, quote-unquote, great pass catcher. I think he can become a really good receiver, but I think he, he was a former running back in high school. He's still learning this thing, but he does have size, 6'3". He is probably one of the two or three fastest guys on the team, and he has shown that he can do it. I mean, he was very consistent that at the end of last year, so let's hope that this was just kind of a fluke and that he'll pick up where he left off because the more you start dropping, then it becomes an ongoing problem. You don't want that to happen because then it slips in your head. Jake? I thought Jake was okay. That's the I wouldn't. He wasn't great, but he certainly wasn't bad, and I think he was hurt, of course, by the drop passes. Thought he made some good decisions at times. I thought maybe a few of his balls were poorly thrown, but I, that's going to happen. I think the one thing um, I, I'm not sure about his scrambling ability yet. I I, I kind of want to see more of that. But I think for the most part, for a first test, it was okay because he didn't do anything to hurt the team's chances of winning the game. And as the quarterback, that's his main objective is to win the game. He didn't put the team in any real bad situations. I kind of the pass he threw to James Cleveland downfield. I know James made a great catch, but Jake put the ball where it could be caught. I thought it was a good pass. And I think for a first game, second game as a starter, I think it was okay. Jake seems to have a tendency to really lock in on his receivers. And I think the perfect example of that is the time where he wanted to throw to Tony Moyaki right over the middle and Tony wasn't even looking for the ball. Tony turned, boom, the ball hit him in the chest. Jake knew right then I'm throwing to Tony and there were other options. There were some times where he missed the open receiver. That's going to have to be something I think they can address on film. And hopefully it's not one of these things that's just something he is just he just does. I, I think it's something he's going to have to work through. But yeah, that's one thing Drew Tate, I, if you remember with Drew, I remember him lots of times looking two, three receivers and throwing. He didn't always throw to the right guy, but I think that's one thing that I did come from that game there were a lot of passes over the middle where it looked like the guy was covered and he still threw it there so they're gonna have to adjust to that he was probably able to get away with that in high school I'm sure he probably was able to do that I'm sure in high school he was able to scramble from the pocket and buy himself more time just from his ability and because the guys chasing him of course weren't near as fast now he's got to make quicker decisions I've heard some observers express concern about both Ken O'Keefe's role as the quarterbacks coach and sometimes a play calling and the sense that I was quarterbacks don't seem to develop as much as some people think they should. If you look, I mean, what Brad Banks did in one year was remarkable. Nathan Chandler, the fact that they could get Nathan Chandler to take that team to a January bowl game I thought was pretty good. What they got Drew Tate to do in that first year now, of course, he didn't develop much. But if you look at Drew's stats, they didn't get, they weren't that much worse. I think what carried Drew Tate a lot in that 2004 season was the fact that they had the best defensive line in the Big Ten, arguably the country, that shifted the momentum so much in games. They didn't have that the last two years, and I think that hurt him a lot. I mean, I think part of the frustration is people get frustrated with the play calling, but if you look back, look at how fun that 2002 team was to watch, and they were exciting on offense. They were unpredictable. I think it was more personnel than the play calling. I think maybe recently they haven't had the 
skill players. And if I brought away anything from that game Saturday, I still, my biggest question outside of the two running backs is, do they have enough skill players on offense? Meaning the receiver's position, do they have enough fast to game-breaking skill players? Because I thought James Cleveland made some great catches in the game, but he didn't look real fast on those end of rounds and stuff. I'm wondering about speed at the receiver position might be my biggest concern, out more so even than the drops. Because I think that's what's ultimately going to separate them from certain teams and take them to that next level. But I think the quarterback position, I I don't know. I Tate's thing ended a little badly. But if you look at Brad Banks and Nathan Chandler, it's hard to really agree with that. Drew Tate's stats, though, really weren't that much worse. In fact, in a lot of ways, Drew Tate threw 14 interceptions is year he made all Big Ten, I, if I'm not mistaken. he um, His stats were actually better in the 2005 season. The team wasn't as good. I mean, the 2004 team was carried by arguably the best defensive line maybe in the history of the Iowa football program. All four of those guys were in the NFL at one time. That carried that team. That's why they were able to win a lot of those games. And I think, it, I think Drew's play suffered a little bit from that. And I think... I don't think he was much worse than he was as a sophomore, but I also think Drew was the kind of quarterback where he was going to reach a certain plateau and that's as good as he was going to get. And I think maybe he got there earlier in his career than we expected. And let's face it, I think that 2014 was pretty lucky too. They lucked out on a lot of games and a lot of that team's legacy was defined by how they beat Ohio State here. And Ohio State was in one of those bizarre funks that they rarely get in. That team went 8-5 and five that year, I think. And But yeah, I, 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 and I think maybe Drew Tate brought on some of his problems as the as his career progressed too and but no and I don't want to you know sit here and blow Ken's horn and what have you but I think that I think he's done an okay job I do sometimes question some of the play calling and one of the things I mean and sometimes I wish I would have seen a few more receivers Saturday sometimes I think they get locked in on certain players but I'm not at practice so I don't know DJK he returned an opening kick and I know he's an internet legend that has been basically just made out by some message board people to be the second coming but the way I look at it, I have enough faith in these coaches to where if he was ready to play, he'd be playing. And, I mean, Colin Sandeman moved ahead of him as a true freshman, so he must not be doing something. He was the MVP of that Ohio All-Star game, the fact that Michigan and Ohio State both offered him scholarships. I think that's all it takes. You put those together, Iowa fans think. And he's still he's only a redshirt freshman. He, he is returning kicks as a redshirt freshman. That's not bad. The defense definitely looked more like it did a couple of years ago. More pressure both inside and outside. Well, they were physical. They weren't missing tackles. I mean, the two, they, if you look back at that game against Northwestern last year, they weren't physical. They were just listless. This team was aggressive, physical, hitting hard, and just kind of relentless on the pass rush. So, no, I agree. And that's, if they can get that throughout the year, I think that'll really, I think that'll really help. What are you looking for this Saturday? Oh, I think they're going to control the line of scrimmage on both sides. And I think I see them winning by two or three touchdowns. I really do. Do you want to see marked improvement on the offense? I think I'd, I'm more curious to see what kind of improvement they get on special teams. I think the passing game will improve, but the running game to me was fine. Thanks, Pat. Hi, this is Mark from West Des Moines. I just wanted to make a couple of comments about the uh, game in Chicago. First of all, it was terrific atmosphere in Chicago. For those who didn't go, um, you really missed a great party. It was just like a bowl game atmosphere and uh, uh, with, I'd say, 45,000 Hawkeye fans at Soldier Field. It was just fantastic. Um, it was great to be out uh, on the streets in Chicago on Friday night and Saturday night and see so much black and gold. As for the game itself, I thought the Hawks played pretty well. Um, I know that people are disappointed with the passing game and all the dropped uh, passes, but um, I don't think uh, Ferentz recruited 
uh, wide receivers who can't catch. I think it was just a, a matter of a lack of concentration. So many of those players were playing in their first game and uh, in front of a really jacked-up crowd. And um, so I think that that will improve. If, you know, obviously, if it doesn't improve over the next couple of games, then we'll, then we'll have to rethink that. But it looks to me like um, they have some good receivers. Obviously, we, we miss Dominic Douglas, but um, I think that part will come around when they play Syracuse on, on Saturday night. As far as the running game goes, it couldn't have been any better. I mean, Albert Young looks like he's got that extra step back after he was recovering last year. Damian Sims is always a threat to break one all the way. Uh, but everybody always says that the key to, to success in any football game is um, the play of your um, lines and the offensive and defensive lines just dominated. Um, I was very happy to see the offensive line come back, particularly when they've had a couple of injuries like to Rob Brueggemann and to uh, uh, Dace Richardson, who's probably going to be in there in the next few weeks. So they've got a little depth, but the guys that are in there did a great job. And on the defensive line, was just dominating. When Mitch King was in there, he was just fantastic. So I, I, I'm pretty high on the Hawks. I came into the season being pretty high, and I think that they're going to be uh, that, that they've got the makings for a really good team against Syracuse. I think um, Syracuse has some offensive weapons that we're going to have to be concerned about. Um, but I think that we'll continue to have the success on the ground that we had, and hopefully the receivers will have calmed down a little bit. We'll make those grabs. And uh, then a, a game that would would have been 30 to three um, uh, at Northern Illinois will, will will turn out the way it should have. Hey, what's up? My name is Zach R, and I'm a Hawkeyes fan from right here in Iowa City. Just uh, visiting the website, and I wanted to call in and make my voice heard. Uh, just addressing the questions that I can see here on the site as far as the Hawks meeting our expectations for the opening game. I don't know. It uh, didn't seem like the most impressive of victories, but you got to remember that they opened on the road against a team that, uh, well, they had a lot to play for, and uh, they looked good. They were opening a new facility, and uh, it was kind of a time for celebration for Northern Illinois. So uh, I think the Hawks looked pretty good there, beating a team that uh, had a lot of motivation, looking good what was most impressive, definitely the defense. Uh, they ball-hawked. I like to use that phrase when I see good defense, and that's what I saw all day long from the Hawkeyes, just ball-hawking defense. Speed all over the field. They were running around, making plays. And uh, I think if you like Big Ten football, you're going to love what you see out of this Hawkeye defense because it looked, uh, they looked to be pretty smash mouth. They're going to be a fun unit to watch. Concerns, definitely the offense. The uh, offensive line doesn't look like there's a lot of experience there. Looks shaky at points. Uh, also, inexperience at wide receiver and at the quarterback position. Definitely worries to me as a fan, especially the offensive line. You know, people that have ever played offensive line or those that coach football, uh, you really got you know you know the importance of a good offensive line. And until they can really come together as a unit, uh, I would expect to see some offensive struggles. As far as the Syracuse game, though, I think that uh, the home opener should be a good one. should be a lot of fun for Hawkeyes fans. I see a big Hawks win. Great to have my voice heard. Great to see the site up and running. Good luck with Hawkeyes Mike, and uh, hopefully I can call in and do this again. Hawkeyes Mike is always interested in and encourages listener feedback. Help make us better. Please provide us with your comments and suggestions for programs, guests, and topics by emailing feedback at hawkeyesmike.com 
or by calling toll-free 866-74-HAWKS. Before we wrap up, there were a couple of interesting points about the officiating at Saturday's game in Chicago. Our official guy on all things rules, Rob P., talks about those, and he gets just a little owly at the end. Hey, this is Rob P. with some comments on the Iowa-Northern Illinois game. The only play that I heard much fuss about was the personal foul called on Adam Shada for his hit against the NIU quarterback as he was running out of bounds of the Northern Illinois 39-yard line in the third quarter. I'll sum up the relevant facts. Number one, Shada launched himself from the field of play. Number two, the quarterback was in the field of play running toward the sideline when Shada launched himself. The only real subjective part of the play is exactly where the contact occurred between Shada and the quarterback. The replays showed that he was probably at, if not just over the sideline, but I'll defer to the angle the officials had, since they were a lot closer than I was. The two relevant NCAA football rules are as follows. Rule 912H states, no opponent shall tackle or block the runner when he is clearly out of bounds. So what's out of bounds is defined by Rule 421A, which states, a player or an airborne player is out of bounds when any part of his person touches anything other than another player or game official on or outside a boundary line. So was the quarterback out of bounds by that definition? I don't think so. Was he clearly heading out of bounds? Yes. Did Shada know this when he left his feet? I'm not a mind reader, but I doubt he was thinking about it in the one-eighth of a second that he decided to try to stop the runner by hitting him as he did. So here's where the impetus is put on the officials and players in situations like this. The officials are responsible for protecting the quarterback if possible. The players are responsible for knowing who they're hitting and where they are on the field when they do so. With regard to the play happening in front of the NIU bench, I'm going to go ahead and say that this had no bearing on the call. The officials are protecting the quarterback. Even if you don't like that explanation, you can take some solace in the fact that had the same type of play happen later in the game in front of the Iowa bench against an Iowa player, the same penalty would have been called. Generally, other than every other call to go their way, the one thing most coaches want from an officiating crew is consistency. The other topic I wanted to comment on was the mixed conference officiating crew. There's a good reason that officials are assigned to games as crews. The idea that one conference's officials are going to favor a team from that conference is utter nonsense, though. If one school or conference was worried about such a thing, the obvious solution is to do what is done for bowl games, and that's get a crew from a conference that's not involved in the game. It would seem to make a lot more sense to do that than to split up a crew and try to force chemistry and consistency on guys that aren't used to working together. We shouldn't see those issues next week, though, as it will likely be an all-Big Ten crew for the Syracuse game. In any event, a win's a win. Go Hawks. Beat the Orange next week. Incidentally, is anyone out there even going to get to watch the game who's not attending it? Yeah, me either. Thanks, Big Ten Network. Rob P. signing off. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Today's Hawkeyes Mike program is made possible in part by the Lodge Apartments in Iowa City, the finest in student living, your home away from home. Call 319-358-3500 or go to www.thelodge at ui.com. And by Morgan Stanley Financial Advisors of Coralville. Call 319-338-5184 or 800-870-0002 for all your investment needs. Thanks again to our regular contributors, Marv Cook and Pat Hardy, to Rob Patchett, and to our first callers. 
Let's hope the old cliche is true and that the Hawks show a lot of improvement in Game 2 against Syracuse and begin to build momentum for the following two tough road games at Iowa State and at Wisconsin. They'll need to. We hope you have enjoyed the first Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by calling in and making your own voice heard. 866-74-HAWKS. That's 866-74-HAWKS. It's going to be all Hawkeyes, all the time, on HawkeyesMike.com. For Iowa fans, by Iowa fans. This is John Patchett. Thanks for joining us. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of HawkeyesMike.com and Enlightened Vision, LLC.